Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, and he's coming in your house. He's doing <laughs> something. He's doing something. <laughs> Howard Long! Thank you to the British Comedy Guide for hosting this show. Thank you to all of our lovely patrons. I'm Pat and I mean it this week because usually I'm a bit insincere about this, right? But this week I I honestly mean it. Thank you to all of our lovely, lovely patrons on Patreon who are brilliant Mm -hmm. and support this show. And thanks Mm. to you for listening to this show. Keep coming back, don't you? Mm. Keep coming back. (laughs) Shall we get on with the show, Howard? Yes, please. So, Howard, last week you asked me to rewrite Superman 3. Yeah. Fortunately, you then said I didn't have to write the whole script, so that was nice <laughs> of you. And I could just put a pitch together. I did maybe go a bit beyond that, and I kind of wrote it like I did the outline to Superman 3. I, t- right, I kind of did right. the same thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the story, but it's quite detailed and it might take quite long. I see, I see. You're just going to reread what you wrote last time, is that? And that's what you're telling. Yeah, me. but but with little, tiny little changes. In a sense, yes, because the thing about Superman three, right, yeah. is okay. It's full of flaws, right? It's it's got a lot of problems with it, but also it's a wonderful film, right? Mm. And it's got some amazing moments in it. And I thought when I was rewriting it, I thought I don't want to lose anything that was great about Superman three. Oh, no. I just want to kind of tidy it up and make it. Give, go, make it make any kind of sense whatsoever. Right? <laughs> just just make some lo- like put some logic into it. So I've tried to kind of restructure it and change like some of the back like the motivations and how the story works, but keep all the really good moments and characters. Brilliant. Okay. I think that if I tried to take all the best bits, it would make even less sense. Probably. Well, this is this is my cha- this is my challenge to myself. Can I keep all those good moments, but actually, instead of like in Superman three, there's just a bunch of moments that don't seem to link together, don't yeah. make any sense. Even on their own, they don't make sense. Yeah. But certainly in the movie, they don't make sense. Like not like, but they're still wonderful moments. Like Gus skiing off a building, all that guff at the beginning with the like penguins and telephone boxes yeah. and stuff. You know, the keys in the computer. It's all these are wonderful moments that make no sense on their own or in the plot. (laughs) Like, nothing makes any sense. So I thought, I challenge myself to put sense into this movie without losing the joy. Wow. I mean, that is how you kill joy, though, isn't it? By putting (laughs) stupid, boring logic into things. (laughs) Yeah, and people can judge me and tell me that I have ruined Superman. But but people can write to me and say I've ruined their childhood Mm. if they want to. (laughs) Okay, yeah, let's hear it. Let's get on with the reboot of Superman. Are you ready? Okay, so, so we open with... Of course, what we open with, the thing that the Superman 3 did not do is the opening credits doing all that flying through space (laughs) stuff, right? All the words flying through space, like in the first two movies, because I think we missed that, right? Right, yeah, that's good, good point. But but we can't just do the same thing again. So this time, while the words are flying through space, in the background, in space, we see two figures punching each other, (laughs) right? There's a fight happening in space. Brilliant. And as the camera gets closer, we see that it's like one of them, of course, is Superman. Yeah. Superman in his full costume beating up some green robot guy. Oh, wow. And this this is the character, famous Superman character, Brainiac, yeah. who was supposed to be in Superman 3, right? Mm-hmm. In the original idea. Although although in, we will never hear the name Brainiac used in this movie, so it actually doesn't matter that it's Brainiac at all. Okay. Because <laughs> right? no one will ever say his name except me in this description. Also... I don't actually know much about the character of Brainiac, except basically his name. Yeah. And he's green. You know that? And he's... Oh, yeah. I looked at a picture of him. He does seem to be green. Mm. Also, I'm not sure he is a robot. I think that bit I might be making. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I know literally nothing about Brainiac. So, uh, But I decided to do what the original writers of those Superman movies did... And just kind of not worry about that and make up his <laughs> abilities like, as, as and when I want them and need them. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. that, that, that's the way these Superman movies are done, right? So I'm like, okay, his name's Brainiac, he's green, he might be a robot, I'll make the rest up. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I know. I mean, if he, he's, he's in space, right? And he's not dead from yeah. lack of oxygen, so he must be a robot. Must be a robot. And he's got some, like, wires coming out of his head in the pictures, so I think that means robot, right? Yeah, definitely. So anyone listening to this who knows anything about Superman and what Brainiac can do, just don't think about that (laughs) this is a new version that i've just made up yeah all right so superman and brainiac continue their space fight while the credits zoom by Mm. and and during this sequence we get to see all brainiac's powers like having robot arms (laughs) right and i I know controlling drones and summoning other robots probably i don't know i expect he's a master of technology and can make computers do whatever he wants Mm. that seems like something a character called brainiac would be able to do so that is what he is now even if he isn't in the in the comics (laughs) so while superman and brainiac fight the camera focuses on a small hatch on Brainiac's brainy back. <laughs> Obviously, you know, people watching don't realise that's what it is, but we get we get to enjoy that. Right? And the small hatch on Brainiac's brainy back opens and out <laughs> out shoots an odd little computer component which flies off away from Brainiac. Oh no. And we, of course, follow the component and yeah. see that it is heading towards Earth leaving Superman and Brainiac fighting in space in the background because that's boring. And we've already seen them punching each other. We really don't need to see anything more of that. Oh, God, I hope that um, I hope that Peter Cook and Faye Dunaway don't find that little component. <laughs> uh, nice Supergirl <laughs> reference there. And now I kind of wish that I'd, in, I'd, I'd used more Supergirl in this because I haven't at all. I kind of tried to make it a standalone no, thing. that's fine. So it's astonishing how many, I mean, like it's funny that one of them is Superman, but it's amazing how many um, movies require a thing from space just kind of like coming and landing on Earth and someone finding it. I know, right? When I, when I was, um, this, is, this is such a familiar moment, mm. right? Like a thing, and, and you'll see it carries on very much in a very familiar way. And I thought, you know, that's in superhero movies, you kind of want this a kids' movie. You want these like recognizable tropes to, mm. to get you into the story more quickly, right? Yeah. Okay, a piece has come out of Brainiac. It's a computer-looking thing. It's it's landed on Earth. It crash lands in a deserted area on Earth next to an electricity pylon. Shit, is it big? No, it's just a little tiny. It's a little tiny thing. And after a few seconds of like humming and pulsating, the component opens, yeah. and some metal arm clamps come out, and it clamps onto the pylon. Oh, and then no. we see a crackle of electricity leave the component, travel up the pylon, and into the wires, where we watch it streak away and towards a city in the distance. Yeah. So it's like venom meets um, electro. <laughs> it is, yeah. We know, we know, uh, as seasoned movie watchers, we know that that is Brainiac's essence Mm. or some part of him. We know what's going on here, right? Yeah. So that was just like the first minute or two. That was just the credits. Mm. So we understand, as movie watchers, we understand that's not the beginning of the movie. The next scene, however, is because then we cut to Gus Gorman standing in line at the welfare (laughs) office. When you stayed with this scene then. Oh yeah, really yeah, but I made scene. one. Okay, <laughs> I made one tiny but important change. He's standing in line at the welfare office for his disability allowance Ooh. because, as we see quite quickly, Gus only has one hand. Wow! Yeah. When he reaches the front of the queue, the woman who is working there, who is called Vera, Brilliant. tells him that he's been on disability for thirty-six <laughs> weeks, and that's all he's allowed. <laughs> And she probably does a joke about how it's not just his hand that's been cut off. His (laughs) benefits have to. (laughs) All right, so... I've, um, uh, as I was writing this, I found that sometimes the best way to get it across is to write little bits of script, like a few like, exchanges of dialogue. So we're going to have one of them now. All okay. Right? Wait. W- wait one second. Do you remember when um, uh, um, that guy, um, what's he called? Is it called Kevin Smith? He did. He does a podcast or something, and he yes. he, he detailed a plot for a movie called Tusk or something. And um, oh, and then made it. And then he right? made it. And I've it was, heard. I've heard yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. But I think. The, <laughs> but 
but I think that you're better than he is. So I think that this is going to be a oh, winner, thanks. and I think we're going to make this movie. So far, I'm you think this it is so this far. is going to be our ticket to into making Superman movies? Yeah. <laughs> Thing about Kevin Smith is that he'd already made movies, right? Mm. Like he was an experienced director. We're just a couple of morons. Yeah. <laughs> No studio's going to give us millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, Netflix give money to everyone these days, don't they? Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe we we can make our Superman TV show. Yeah. Because this is long. Well, we might change his name to... Superman, or um, make Superman, it make it yeah. a lady, you know, to, to be modern um, and super uh, person, super person, exactly, yeah, make it super person, and uh, that or way that way we don't have be... to worry about getting the rights. Right, I've got an idea for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right? go on. Could be super super ham. Yes, right? and then he could be a duck. He could yeah. be a duck. Yeah, talking duck <laughs> called super ham. <laughs> <laughs> it could looked... be super ham the duck. He had a beak. It looked like I thought it was a duck. You never, he didn't take his Spider-Man show. costume off, did he? <laughs> How I don't know if we've mentioned this, but when when Howard watched Into the Spider-Verse, he thought Spider-Ham was a duck. There was no clue it might not be. Yeah. Spider-Ham was a duck. Therefore, Super-Ham is also a duck. Mm. All right, now I can't do... I'm going to do some lines of Gus's here okay, and I can't do an impression of Richard Pryor, so I'm going to do it like this. <laughs> right? Yeah, good. Okay, so, but but obviously in the movie, Richard Pryor is playing this part and, and that's, that's the best thing we can do. So Gus says, how can you stop my disability benefits? I'm still disabled. I still only have one hand. Gus waves his stump about. Mm-hmm. His gone, his gone hand, I like to call it. Is, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> You're the script expert. You can help me out with things like this. Gus waves his gone hand about. It's improved it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. You're right. I'm, I'm, that's why. That's why we work together. I can come up with this, but you can really make it pop. <laughs> Vera says, "Have you tried to grow it back?" <laughs> well, no. Have you looked into alternative hand solutions? Mm. Alternative what? (laughs) Maybe you could sellotape a fork to your stump. Or couldn't you get a dead murderer's hand sewn on, (laughs) but then it turns out your hand is evil and wants to murder people? (laughs) I just need some money to live. Then you'll have to find a job, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Vera takes Gus to a computer to search for a job. He doesn't really know how to use it, and it is made more difficult by him only having one hand. Cut to the crackle of electricity that we understand to be Brainiac's essence is travelling along wires towards and then through the city. There are little explosions along the way, and stuff starts Mm. going a bit awry. Like, Brainiac's essence is affecting technology. Here are some of the things that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Some animatronic penguins go wrong and one catches fire. The electricity crackles through the telephone wire, electrocutes some people and causes some telephone boxes to fall over. We see a blind man and his dog waiting at a pedestrian crossing. The electricity surges into the traffic lights, causing them all to start flashing all kinds of random colours, then shoots out of the crossing button and electrocutes the dog to death. (laughs) The blind man gets confused, takes a line painting machine for a walk, apologises to a lamppost and steps (laughs) on someone's head. Because the traffic lights are flashing chaotically, one car goes through, almost hits another, skids into a fire hydrant and starts filling with water. The driver tries to open the door, but it's a bit stiff. We see the electricity hit the car, the driver is electrocuted and dies immediately. (laughs) And the car continues to fill with water, but it doesn't matter because the guy's dead anyway. Good. Right, so all the stuff from the intro still happens, but now we yeah. understand why it's all yeah. going on. It's not just some do random. Like, yeah, are like any um, animatronic crossing people going to have a fight? Well, that doesn't happen at this day at this know, point in the film, does it? That comes later. Do, <laughs> yeah, but don't worry, the best bits are still going to happen. Okay. Don't worry. 
Superman doesn't turn up to help with any of this stuff because he's <laughs> in space fighting Brainiac. Nice. We understand that this shows how Superman is too focused on big, boring villains and has forgotten about the little guy. Cut to Gus using the computer at the welfare office. He looks hella confused and is just pressing random buttons and generally doing a whole Richard Pryor bit. I made sure to put in lots of bits where in the script you don't write anything. You just like Richard Pryor does a bit with a computer <laughs> yeah, yeah, for five yeah. minutes and just let him let him go. We see the crackle of electricity run up the computer's wire and into the monitor because this is an 80s movie and the monitor is everything. <laughs> Text appears on the screen. It says... Channel half a cent from every welfare check to Gus Gorman, Y stroke N question mark. <laughs> Gus stares at the keyboard for a while. He is obviously searching for the Y, but can't find it because he is rubbish at computers. And it's not like you can just learn to be a computer whiz after one <laughs> lesson. Eventually, he finds it and presses Y. Mm. There is a bunch of low-rent Matrix guff on the computer screen. Gus looks around nervously in case anyone is watching him, but they're all busy being poor. <laughs> the computer prints out a cheque because this is an 80s movie and so I can make computers do whatever I want them to. Yeah. Gus takes the cheque and looks at it. It is made out to Gus Gorman for the amount of $5,203,896. Dollars? Dollars, yeah, because it's American. Yeah. <laughs> Gus reacts much as he does in the actual movie when he gets $85,000. <laughs> he stuffs the cheque in his pocket and leaves the building in full-on Richard Pryor acting as though he wants to be inconspicuous but is actually drawing a lot of attention to himself mode. <laughs> So you see what I've done, right? You've cast a dead man. <laughs> Cut to The Daily Planet. We follow Lana Lang into the building. She says she's there for a job interview and is taken to see Perry White, who is doing the interview because this is a movie and movies don't bother with HR departments. They just have the big <laughs> boss do it. As she walks in, Perry White is yelling at some journalists. Do you know why people buy the Daily Planet? For news about Superman. It certainly ain't for our crossword puzzle or our jingo bingo competition. <laughs> they want to read about Superman. And ever since Lois Lane quit journalism to go live in a haunted house... <laughs> <laughs> this paper has sorely lacked Superman stories. I can't believe it's been a week since Superman defeated Brainiac and you mooks ain't even got an interview with him. <laughs> From Perry's speech, we understand that Superman won that space fight at the beginning yeah. and that a week has passed since the last scene. Well done, Rufus. Excellent movie writing skills you got there. <laughs> you should teach J.K. Rowling. Maybe then her Fantastic Beast film would make a lick of sense. Brackets, <laughs> note to self, include a content warning on this episode for mentioning J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Perry tells the journalists to go, then starts the job interview with Lana Lang. During the interview, Clark Kent comes in to get his latest assignment from Perry. While he is there, we learn that Clark set up the interview for Lana as they went to high school together in mm. Smallville. We also learn that they never boned, and Clark is quite upset about this. <laughs> so Perry says to Clark, I want you to do a piece on this Gus Gorman mook. He's been buying up real estate all over Metropolis, but no one ever heard of him until a week ago. Wow. Who is he? Where did he come from? How did he make his money? Why does he need a skyscraper? And why did he just buy the kryptonite factory just outside <laughs> Smallville? Clark, looking a bit concerned, he bought the kryptonite factory. That's how yeah. I'm going to do Superman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he bought the kryptonite factory. <laughs> and a steelworks. And a whole sack of computer companies. I want a thousand word expose on this guy on my desk by tomorrow morning. Wow. 
Wow. That's right, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow <laughs> that's how I've chosen to say that word, okay? I'm going to say tomorrow morning, all right? <laughs> so you see what, what I'm doing is I'm moving the plot on as quickly as possible. Mm. Gus has got loads of money. He's buying up factories and skyscrapers. Yeah. What's going on? Cut to the welfare office. The woman who served Gus earlier is here. She is called Vera, remember? Mm. Her boss is also here. His name is Napoleon Solo. <laughs> so actually, these two characters are Napoleon Solo and his sister, but they're just taking on a slightly different role now. They are they work in the in the welfare office, right? Brilliant. So Napoleon Solo says, "But how can we have lost five million dollars?" <laughs> And Vera says, it would seem that some technological genius used our computer to divert half a cent from every welfare check to his own. We're dealing with some Neil Breen level <laughs> hacking skills here. I wouldn't be surprised if he also got access to government and corporate secrets. <laughs> there must be a way we can find out who did it. No, it's a complete mystery. There's simply no way we can work out who stole half a cent from every welfare check and sent it to Gus Gorman. <laughs> well, he's bound to slip up sooner or later. We probably just need to wait until someone drives up to the welfare office in a new sports car. <laughs> or maybe we should talk to this... Gus Gorman fellow. Perhaps he knows who did it. Mm. Cut to Gus Gorman being shown around his new kryptonite factory by a Gus Foreman. <laughs> uh, this is just an opportunity for Richard Pryor to go full ham, so don't ruin it by giving him a script. <laughs> just get the Foreman, show him around and just let, let Richard Pryor do what he wants. Break stuff and things. <laughs> Absolutely. It's completely up to him. The foreman says that the factory hasn't been able to make kryptonite because no one knows what it is. <laughs> right? And actually, maybe it was a mistake to build this factory in the first place. <laughs> Eventually, Gus is taken to the boss's office and he sits down at a computer. The screen lights up and says, Create synthetic kryptonite to murder Superman? Why stroke N? Question mark. Gus types N because he thinks Superman is pretty cool and doesn't want to kill him. The computer says, create synthetic kryptonite to definitely not murder Superman, but actually do something really nice instead. Y stroke N. Gus likes this idea and presses Y. Mm. The computer says, scanning space for composition of kryptonite. Then it prints out a list of components. Gus gives it to the foreman. The foreman reads it and points out that it says 0.57% unknown. Oh no. Gus looks down at the cigarette he is smoking and tells the foreman to use tar. Mm. As they walk out of the factory, Gus flicks his cigarette end away and we see it begin to smoulder and a fire slowly spreading towards the dangerous chemicals. Oh, no! Cut to Clark and Jimmy Olsen on the bus <laughs> to the kryptonite factory talking about Lana Lang and how Clark never boned her in high school, and that was a shame. No one mentions Lois because she's pointless. <laughs> As they get close to the kryptonite factory, they see that it's on fire. And the next bit of this scene plays out much as it does in the movie, with Superman flying around, saving one person at a time, <laughs> yeah. and Jimmy Olsen climbing a ladder to take pictures. Brilliant. Except, now Jimmy Olsen dies. <laughs> because Superman makes him slide down a hot metal tube, and he comes out cooked and on fire. <laughs> Good. Superman gets over Jimmy Olsen's death immediately because Jimmy Olsen is pointless as well. 
And Superman's from space. He probably doesn't have feelings in the same way human beings do. Certainly not about Jimmy Pointless Olsen. Yeah. That's why he kept kissing Lois Lane until she forgot who <laughs> she was and wasn't in the movie. That's what's happened to her. Right? Just kept... yeah. Now she thinks she's someone else living yeah. in at the Amityville Horror. <laughs> Superman finds a scientist in a room with a load of bubbling vats of green liquid. Oh, no. The scientist says that if the liquid gets much hotter, it will turn into a gas that will dissolve metal. Superman says, just metal. Just metal. Everything else will be fine. All the rocks, all the people, all the dogs, but the metal will dissolve. <laughs> Making it clearer this time, you see. Superman mm. says, that doesn't sound all that bad. True. The scientist says, it is. Look over there. The scientist points to the other side of the room where there are hundreds of metal canisters with highly flammable written on the side. We've got to stop the acid getting any hotter. We've got to cool it down somehow. Don't worry. I can cool it with my ice breath. <laughs> Superman takes a deep breath, but before he can blow, the scientist shouts, No! Like he's Darth Vader just after finding out that Padme is neither safe nor all right. <laughs> the scientist says, If the acid cools down too quickly, it will explode and destroy the world. <laughs> yeah. It must cool down gradually. Superman says, you mean I can't use my ice breath? No! Damn it, I told them we needed a sprinkler system. I told them how dangerous it was, but did they listen? No! Penny-pinching fools! And now the world will end for the sake of a few dollars. Well, yeah, they didn't have a sprinkler system, you're right. Superman is looking thoughtful. The scientist says, you know, the ideal thing would be if it rained. Rain is exactly the type of thing that would solve this problem. Mm. It's a shame there's no such thing as a computer that can control the weather, because <laughs> we could really use that right now. Hey, you don't have make-it-rain powers, do you, <laughs> Superman? Superman does not have make-it-rain powers and there's no such thing as a computer that can control the weather in this film, <laughs> all right? But Shame. Superman thinks... Because Paul McCartney's can... got one, right, hasn't he? Paul McCartney <laughs> can control the weather, I understand. Is that <laughs> not <he>? true? <laughs> Is that not true? No, no, that's not true. Why? Why? What are you talking about? Oh, I think he could stop it raining, that's right. Yeah, like he, he was raining at his party and he didn't want it, so they sent up some explosives and blew up the clouds. That's. I think that's how that went. That's <laughs> true, right? It's pretty true. I've never heard this story. He it sounds untrue. Paul McCartney <laughs> spent so many dispersing clouds so it wouldn't rain at his party. Cool, cool, great. But that's well, no, well that's done, no good because we want it to, to rain, so yeah. Paul McCartney's no help here whatsoever. It, he's usual. making it worse. He's yeah. making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking help. Get out of here, Paul McCartney. All right, then I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> no, OK, Superman's the one who's got to save the day, but he mm. doesn't have make-it-rain powers, but... Mm. He thinks maybe he can improvise using powers he does have. Mm -hmm. For example, his powers of flying to a lake, <laughs> freezing the lake, picking up the lake, carrying the lake back to the chemical plant and mm. dropping it to create rain. Brilliant. Superman does this and it actually makes sense, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so that scene all plays out and it all makes a lot of sense. Like, we know, like, remember now, it's not just a random fire either. It's part of the plot because Gus caused the fire with his cigarette, which is also part of the plot because the cigarette's what gave him the idea for the tar. Mm -hmm. So all these strands are uh, um, making a lot more sense to us now. All right. Cut two. Later at the kryptonite plant. Also, it's a kryptonite plant now. <laughs> Let's not forget <laughs> that. <laughs> That's important too. Yeah. So all the fires have been put out and all the firefighters and police and everyone else are just kind of standing around looking tired and relieved. Superman is also there. Jimmy Olsen isn't because he died in a hot <laughs> tube. <laughs> but no one cares because he was pointless. Yeah. Gus Gorman enters, putting on a slightly deeper voice for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> He does a big speech about how grateful the kryptonite factory is to Superman for saving them. Mm. The emergency workers all look a bit miffed, but are too tired and injured to say anything. 
Gus says that he wants to give Superman a present to say thank you and takes a piece of kryptonite from his pocket. Nice. Superman backs away because obviously he's not just going to take it. That would be insane. (laughs) But Gus explains that it's imitation kryptonite. The factory has never been able to make real kryptonite because of the unknown element. Mm-hmm. Superman mm-hmm. nods wisely. <laughs> he knows what the unknown element is. It is balleranium. <laughs> <laughs> Superman takes the piece of kryptonite and squeezes it into a diamond. Ooh. Then he grabs a bit of metal off the floor and uses his heat vision and super strength to bend it into a ring which he attaches the diamond to. He puts the ring on his finger and examines it. He looks fabulous. Everyone <laughs> thinks so. Because you remember we had the problem yes. of where does he put that, right? Mm-hmm. Where is it? And also, this film likes Superman to squeeze things into diamonds, so why not now? <laughs> right? Why not make himself yeah. a, di- a nice diamond ring? It's for- foreshadowing him squeezing that thing into diamonds. <laughs> also, the end of also that. Also, that pointless scene, which I don't think I included. <laughs> Yeah, and even if you wanted to be all kind of old-fashioned gender roles and like, oh, Superman can't wear a diamond ring, which, you know, bollocks, of course he can. But if mm. even if you wanted to go that way, he could be making it for Lana and just keeping it on his finger to keep it safe because he hasn't got pockets because he wears tights, right? Yes. And that's okay because that keeps it on him long enough for it to have its yeah. effect that we I mean, know I is going to happen. I mean, the fact that he wears tights should mean it's definitely all right for him to wear a diamond ring anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're going to be all like, no, Superman's too manly to wear a diamond (laughs) ring. He's got his pants on outside his tights and he wears a cape. He's a very manly man, Okay. (laughs) Cut to later. Clark Kent is out bowling with Lana Lang and her rubbish son. (laughs) (laughs) Told you, keeping all the good scenes. Good scenes, yeah. They talk about her first day at the Daily Planet. Mm. Rubbish son bangs on about how much he loves Superman, and Clark says maybe he can persuade Superman to go on a picnic with Lana and rubbish son sometime soon. They bowl. Rubbish son fails to hit any bowling pins and cries about it, the idiot. (laughs) Clark decides to help. So he pretends to sneeze and knocks the bowling ball into the pin so hard that they explode into dust. Everyone stares at Clark Kent in shock because it's really obvious what he just did and they all saw it. Clark hurries away, embarrassed and flustered. As he goes, we see his kryptonite ring glowing slightly and we understand that it has started to affect his judgement. Very good, yeah. Cut to Gus Gorman is hanging out on top of his skyscraper that he owns. Mm. It has a ski slope on top because he is a frivolous spendthrift and is enjoying his newfound wealth. Yes. He is sitting at a small table with a computer on it, looking at his bank balance. <laughs> this is the sort of thing that happened in films of this era, right? It's just that someone's got a load of money and so they're looking at their bank balance. It says... He is pleased and lights a cigar. Mm. Then the number on the screen starts to go down. In short bursts at first, then faster, his bank balance shrinks. Gus panics and we all enjoy a good bit of Richard Pryor acting just by himself. (laughs) I don't, and I don't know about you, but I can picture this scene perfectly. Like, I know exactly what it looks like, and I really, I really enjoy watching it in my head. Yeah, I agree. Eventually, Gus's balance hits zero. Gus asks the computer what's going on. Words appear on the screen saying, All assets frozen by the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General, pending investigation into $5 million stolen from Social Security Fund. Suddenly, we see a group of law enforcement officers on the other side of the glass doors into the building with Napoli Han Solo and Vera at the front, Mm. holding up ID and warrants and all that usual guff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that scene. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. How's he going to get out of this one? (laughs) How can he possibly escape? Good question, Howard. Gus panics again. He glances around himself for an escape route, but only finds... His skis. (laughs) He clips them onto his ski boots and skis away down the slope. 
He looks quite pleased with himself until he remembers that this slope goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he weighs, and I feel like this, well, this is a stupid idea. I feel like Richard Pryor could, could sell this just in yeah. face acting. The, the belief that he thinks he's doing a clever thing and then it turns out to be the <laughs> dumbest thing anyone's ever done. I feel like he could definitely sell this. Um, he waves his arm about, not his arm, he has got arms. He waves his arms about, then hits the edge and skis off the side of the building, just as Napoleon Solo, Vera and the other officers burst onto the roof. We watch Gus fall, just like we did in the original movie, except he's not wearing a tablecloth as a cape this time. <laughs> <laughs> just as he's about to hit the ground and obviously die, Superman turns Hooray! up and catches him. Gus should be grateful and Superman quite aloof, like normal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Superman puts him down on the street and Gus still gets to walk off into traffic wearing his skis and maybe whistling. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a good scene too. Yeah. On the roof of the building, we see Napoleon Solo and Vera peering over and looking miffed that Gus skied off the building before they could ask him questions about that mysterious missing five million dollars. Mm. So I think it's important that even though they've frozen his bank account, they still don't know it's him <laughs> at this point. They still haven't they still haven't fully worked him out. They just know he's they what they think he's got information that will help them yeah. get to the uh, get to the solution. <laughs> Cut two. Lana Lang and her rubbish son are on a picnic with Superman. Yeah. See, I've made a little change here. It's not on a picnic with Clark Kent. It's on a picnic with Superman. Then there's less messing around. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> rubbish son wanted to, like, he loves Superman. So Clark's yeah. like, yeah, I'll sort, it, I'll sort it out for you. Superman is trying to cover for what happened with Clark earlier by saying that he was there at the bowling alley too. And he happened to sneeze at the exact same moment that Clark did. And that's why it looked like Clark had superpowers and was Superman. But actually he wasn't. <laughs> Lana believes this because it's a Superman movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Superman eats some dog food. <laughs> and when questioned about it, he points out that he's an alien and doesn't understand human picnics. She doesn't understand human picnics if she's putting dog food in Tupperware anyway. Tupperware with the food. Yeah. And not labelling it dog food. I mean, even just for yourself, you do that, right? Especially if you're going to take pate. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish Son goes off to play in the cornfield. Superman suggests he goes really far away, and Rubbish Son agrees. Mm. When Rubbish Son is far enough away, Superman starts to put the moves on Lana. <laughs> and it is exactly as disturbing as the scene in the actual movie. Before things can get too horrifying, Lana says, Where did my Rubbish Son go to play? <laughs> oh, I think he went into that cornfield over there. The one with all the sharp rocks and those three deadly combine harvesters. <laughs> oh no, my rubbish son is far too rubbish not to get killed in a situation like that. He's probably already unconscious on the ground and about to get minced. Save him, Superman! Superman leans back on the picnic blanket and pops another morsel of dog food in his mouth. <laughs> Don't worry, there's no rush. I always make it on time. Oh, no. <laughs> See, same scene. This is what happens in Lana's house, but in that one it's some person with a truck that we don't care about. In this one we know, it's, we know the character that he's got to save. Yeah. And it's not, not just that he might not make it, Superman might not make it, of course he will, it's that he might not bother. Mm. That's so much scarier, right? Mm. That Superman just might go, oh, well, fuck it, I'll get there in the end. We hear a squelch and a roar, roar, roar as the family dog gets sliced to death by a combine harvester. And just in case anyone's counting, that is two dead dogs in this movie so far. Yeah, people don't like dead dogs in movies. They're going to have to put up with it in this one. <laughs> Not everything can be good. <laughs> we want to we make it clear that Superman, that something serious and bad is happening to Superman at this point, right? He's made a stupid mistake when he was Clark by sneezing at the bowling balls. Mm. Then he's sexually aggressive to Lana, which is really disturbing. And then he lets a dog die. Mm -hmm. No one's still on Superman's side at that point. We know something really bad's happened to him. Um, so, yeah, so the family dog gets sliced to death by a combine harvester. Superman comes to his senses and flies off. He saves Rubbish Son just in time and mm. doesn't feel the need to break any expensive farming machinery in the process. <laughs> 
He returns rubbish son to Lana, then flies off looking quite perturbed. Maybe he's trying to figure out what's changed, what's different recently. Like what could possibly be causing it? Has he got any new yeah. jewellery or anything? <laughs> Cut two. Gus is walking down the street. Either he's still wearing his skis or he is barefoot, whichever is funnier. <laughs> I think probably still with his skis on would be the good one, right? <laughs> like he's gone a long way in those skis. Yeah. He passes a computer store. As he does, all the monitors in the window flash up the word Gus in big Ooh, letters. Oh, yeah, good, I like it. So Gus stops and watches the screens. The words change to... Do you want to be rich again, Gus? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gus nods and says an emphatic yes. The screens say, I need access to a larger network. I can't make you rich from these small computers. Take this disk and put it in the satellite control computer in Smallville. Smallville? Why not? I couldn't... It's like, well, wherever. It doesn't matter, does it? Uh... A floppy disk comes out of a drive-by the shop doorway. Gus glances around furtively, then grabs the disc and walks away whistling. And again, <laughs> such a clear picture of Richard Pryor doing that in my head. Yeah. Cut two. Superman has gone fully dark and has started a YouTube prank show. <laughs> the hilarious pranks he pulls are juggling with actual babies to see how people react. <laughs> Ripping open the side of an oil tanker and letting all the oil out to see how birds react. Mm. See, that's not that's not part of the plot now. That's just a pranky pause, but we nice. still get to do it. Shaking people's hands, but then throwing them into space. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you were Superman doing pranks, mm. that's what you do. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, shake them. <laughs> <laughs> just hurling them straight into space. That's brilliant. Going to bowling tournaments and sneezing at every ball so it explodes the pins. <laughs> and the last one, the last pranky pause is, of course, straightening the Tower of Pisa, but bending all other national monuments. <laughs> right? Yeah. And this sequence should still involve the reaction of the guy selling models of the Tower of Pisa, but it should also include similar vendors mm. selling models of all the other monuments. <laughs> And they should all react in the same way, yeah. like looking at it and, and then like shrugging or whatever that guy does. <laughs> Their reactions should be identical. <laughs> in fact, maybe it should be the same guy in different wigs. Yes. Right? That's yeah. a possibility. Mm. Cut two. Gus is in Smallville to put that disc in the satellite control computer. This scene is basically the same as in the movie. He gets the guard drunk, then needs to turn two keys to activate the computer, but he can't do it because he only has one hand. Mm. Right? doesn't matter how far apart they are. <laughs> That's not important. The point is having two keys, not having two people to turn those keys. That's, that doesn't matter. Like, you know, the, the idea of that seems to be like one person would have one key and one person would have another, so they both have to be involved, but not that they also have to stand a certain... Like they have to be socially distancing while they do it. That's, that's not the point of two different keys, right? No. So Gus's problem is that he's only got one hand. So he still has to do the whole rigmarole with the unconscious guard uh, and the yo-yo string and all that stuff. So we still get to see all that Good. brilliant stuff with um, Richard Pryor, exactly as it is, just with a different purpose behind it. What about this security guard? Is he uh, is he in love with Lana Lang? No, he's just in this scene. He's, like, there's no need for him to be in any other scenes. He's just a security guard who likes drinking. We don't need to set that up. So the, the thing about this movie is it doesn't set up anything except the thing that didn't need it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this character did not need to be introduced before this scene. It's fine. Uh, so, yeah, so then um, he does all the stuff with the keys and the unconscious guard and the string, and then he puts the disc in and causes all the same havoc, but he's not doing it himself. It's like that happens as a result of Brainiac taking control of stuff. Yes. Including, of course, traffic signals come into life. Mm, brilliant. <laughs> right? That, all that stuff happens. Definitely. And we understand from this that Brainiac now has a lot of influence over the world, and this is probably bad. Mm -hmm. And that Brainiac has the power of making lights come to life. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can like you yeah. can suspend your disbelief there. He's like, oh, an alien, that's probably a power he has. Mm -hmm. Rather than, oh, it's a computer. They can probably bring lights to life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I believe it now. On the computer screen, words appear. Would you like me to make you a new hand, Gus? 
Ooh. Gus is dubious whether this is possible, but he wants it. Of course he does. The computer says, it's easy, Gus, but we'll need to build a supercomputer mm-hmm. in the Grand Canyon first. <laughs> Gus thinks this is weird, but he really wants a super robot hand, so he agrees. <laughs> but first, he points out that he has no money. The computer displays Gus's bank balance. It starts to increase from zero, and soon Gus is a multimillionaire again. Hooray! The computer prints the design for the supercomputer it wants Gus to build in the Grand Canyon. Though Gus doesn't design it himself after an hour class on some napkins. The, the Brainiac the com- does it. The okay. computer prints it on some napkins instead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, yeah. Yes, because there's no paper. The computer. We should have a whole sequence where it says, we, I need paper to print blueprints and, na- and, and Richard Pryor find some napkins. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. Yes, definitely. Gus says, but how um, but how are we going to get all these massive parts down into the Grand Canyon on a donkey? The computer says, I've got an idea. Cut to the top of the Statue of Liberty. Now, you may have noticed that although I kept Napoleon Solo and Vera in it, I cut Pamela Stevenson's part. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because that's really, really pointless. (laughs) I'm sorry for, like, deleting the women characters, but they they were... It was kind of worse when they were in it. (laughs) (laughs) So cut to the top of the Statue of Liberty. Gus Gorman is sitting between the spikes of its crown. Mm -hmm. Superman turns up and says... I hope you're not expecting me to save you again because I don't do that anymore. Mm. Gus says, I don't need saving, Superman. In fact, I'm here to make you an offer. What could you possibly offer me? Seems to me that you do a lot for people, but no one ever thinks to pay you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want... To pay me (laughs) a lot, a huge stack of money, and all I need is a little favour. Superman looks interested. We understand that Superman is now proper evil as he has been corrupted by money. (laughs) This is a lot worse than being corrupted by sex as he is in the actual movie and also more appropriate for a kid's film. (laughs) Yeah. Cut two. Vera and Napoleon Solo are in their office doing investigatey things. They probably have stuff stuck all over the walls and a photo of Gus's face and lots of card folders and bits of string and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have seen Gus's finances so they know he's rich again. Mm. They also know that he's been buying a lot of computer parts, but they don't know where he's taking them. If we find those computer parts, we find Gus Gorman, says Napoleon Solo. And they both look determined. <laughs> I don't know whether your movie's going to pass the Bechdel test. Oh, us. God, no. No, it's <laughs> terrible. He had this chance to update it for a modern audience. and um... I know, but I was, uh, because I, my first kind of self-imposed remit was to keep all the good bits from Superman 3, yeah. they didn't write any good bits for the women characters. <laughs> 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 so they all got cut. I don't know. I, mean, I guess. I guess you could. Uh, which characters could you gender flip? Like Lana Lang's son could be a daughter. That's not a problem. Obviously, um, Gus has to be played by Richard Pryor. Yeah. But if if it was being if this was being made now, and we have to accept that Richard Pryor is dead, mm. then we could make Gus Gorman a female character. No problem. The investigators that could they could easily both be female. That's not a problem. True. So pretty much. Everyone, and I was going to say except Superman, but only because it's a Superman movie. It would be better if it was a Supergirl movie, so maybe they just <laughs> switch everyone up. All right. Cut two. Superman carrying loads of massive computer parts and weapons down into the Grand Canyon, while Gus and a load of people in hard hats supervise and begin putting it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Superman flies in carrying a big girder or something and drops it carelessly on the ground, knocking over some other parts. A construction worker shouts at Superman to be more careful, you knucklehead. Superman gets annoyed and picks up the construction worker by the scruff of his neck. We see Superman's eyes start to glow red. The construction worker is terrified, so is everyone else. It's pretty clear that Superman is about to murder this guy. (laughs) 
Superman suddenly realises what he's doing, drops the construction worker and flies away. Lana Lang's rubbish son shouts, <laughs> Don't worry, Superman, you're just in a slump. <laughs> and everyone is confused about how he got down there. <laughs> Superman yeah. flies into the distance. His costume and the expression on his face are darker than ever. I think this, um, does that only happen once then? What? <laughs> the rubbish son's shouting, You're in a slump. Yeah, in the movie, it just happens once. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, but I mean, in this movie, can it happen every time? Because someone's <laughs> flown off a few yeah. times now. Um, when he's realised <laughs> that maybe the sun oh, should yeah. always be there. Absolutely, no. Good, good note. Good note, Howard. <laughs> yeah, that that can that can definitely happen. <laughs> Cut to Gus Gorman inside the computer constructing its actual brain. There are lots of wires and circuit boards, so we know it's complicated and high-tech. Mm. Gus has a monitor and keyboard he uses to talk to the computer. On the screen flash up the words, Would you like me to make you a new hand now, Gus? Mm. Gus says an emphatic yes. A tube opens beside Gus. The computer tells him to put his arm in. Gus does so, nervously, and the tube clamps around his arm so that he can't move. There are lots of alarming noises, all whirring and buzzing and bleeping. Gus is terrified and begs the machine to let him go. Before too long, the clamp releases Gus's arm and he pulls it free. He is astounded to find that he now has a fully functional robot hand. He holds it up in front of his face and curls the fingers, his jaw dropping open and a smile creeping onto his lips. Cut two. Superman flies to that scrapyard and has a fight with himself, just like in the movie, including the bit with all the tyres, because everyone remembers this sequence and it's great. In fact, there's only one change, but it's an important one. Mm -hmm. So this scene is exactly like in the movie with one tiny change right at the end. Evil Superman wins. <laughs> no, no, not that one. OK. When Clark finally gets the upper hand at the end of the fight, he punches evil Superman repeatedly until he's insensible. Then he takes the kryptonite ring off Superman's finger and throws it into the sun. Ah, uh, yeah. Now we are able to understand the metaphor and realise that it just represented Superman's internal struggle against the effects of the ring and that his true personality eventually won out. Brilliant. Good Superman then flies around fixing things. He blows the oil back into the boat. <laughs> he unstraightens the Tower of Pisa and makes that guy annoyed because he just bought a load of new models. He straightens all the other monuments that he bent and makes all the other street sellers annoyed because they just bought bent models. <laughs> They all react in the same way. This montage lasts about 10 minutes and really, <laughs> really tests everyone's patience. <laughs> yeah. Cut to back in the Grand Canyon. Gus is putting the finishing touches to his supercomputer, like tightening screws or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The construction workers appear to have gone and Gus is alone. He is using his new metal hand. Suddenly, Vera and Napoli Han Solo burst in and say they're going to arrest Gus. Oh no! Gus says he will go quietly, but first he'd better turn the computer off or there might be a fire. Mm. Gus goes over to a big switch and actually turns the computer on. <gasps> Vera and Napoli Han Solo back away nervously. Gus tells the computer that they were going to arrest him and orders the computer to protect him. Wires shoot out from the computer and grab Vera and Napoli Han Solo. They are both pulled inside and robotized, Great. exactly like in the actual movie, but now there's two of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> if better. something's good, you can always double yeah. it up. Right? Mm. <laughs> Superman arrives in the canyon. He knows Gus is up to no good and feels bad that he helped him. He gives Gus his big bag of money back because good <laughs> Superman can't be corrupted by money and giving loads of cash to villains is a traditional movie good guy gesture. <laughs> Gus tells the machine to protect him from Superman and it does all that shooting a bubble around him, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> 
Then Vera and Napoli Han Solo walk out of the computer, but now they are covered in bits of metal and are scary robots. Mm. We see that Napoli Han Solo has all the same markings as Brainiac from the start of the movie. Ooh. And we realise that Brainiac has got himself a new body. Vera is just a mindless robot, like in <laughs> Superman 3. And I know that's very much sidelining one of the few female characters, but that bit in the movie was so cool and I can't bring myself to change it. That's fine. It's allowed. Thank you. Thank you, white man. <laughs> For giving me permission. You are the authority. Well, there's going to be something in the movie for me, hasn't there? Um... <laughs> and what I want is a green robot from space, please, but not a not a female green robot from space. I can't I can't relate to it. <laughs> right. So Napoleon Solo, who is actually now Brainiac, says it's time to kill Superman. He turns on the kryptonite beam, and it does Superman a good one. <laughs> Gus protests. This is too much. He never wanted to kill anyone, especially not Superman. I mean, the guy saved Gus's life earlier when he fell off that building. Gus destroys the kryptonite beam, just like he did in the movie, and Superman leaves, just like he did in the movie. Mm. We understand everyone's motivations, just like we didn't in the movie. <laughs> Gus and Brainiac have a big old conversation, during which Gus learns how Brainiac has been manipulating and using him. This mm. is the villain explanation yeah, that tells yeah, the yeah. stupid audience what's been happening in case they haven't been keeping up. Gus is well miffed. Brainiac says he no longer has use for Gus and is going to murder him. But then Superman returns. And I don't mean a boring movie with Brandon <laughs> Ruth in it, right? Where most of it is set on a big lump of rot, like green kryptonite, for, and it's the dullest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. But then Superman returns with some of that acid from the kryptonite factory that, when it heats up, turns into a gas that dissolves metal and nothing else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Superman uses his heat vision on it. It turns into a gas and dissolves the massive computer, the robot parts of Vera and Napoleon Solo, and Gus's metal oh. hand. Yeah. Everyone is fine, and Superman has won. Hooray! So that's the end, but there is obviously a little epilogue, as we see in the movie. So Superman picks up Gus and flies him to the White House and into the Oval Office where the president is hanging out because this is a movie. <laughs> Presidents are always in the Oval Office in any movie, right? Superman tells the president that Gus is really good with computers and he should give him a job. <laughs> the president says they need someone to update and secure the systems that operate their nuclear weapons. <laughs> would, would Gus be able to handle that? Gus, of course, knows nothing about computers, <laughs> but is an inveterate bullshitter, so he says yes. <laughs> right. yeah. Then he goes off with a uniform general, and this is a cool way of setting up Superman <laughs> 4, right? Because Superman 4 is all about, all about nuclear disarmament, yeah. and now, rather than start the movie with a load of Superman giving speeches about how nuclear weapons are bad, mm. we can start with the very real threat of actual nuclear war because Gus's systems don't work because he knows nothing about computers because he never took that one-hour computer course in this version of the movie. All right, there's one more scene. Finally, Superman changes into his Clark Kent outfit and goes to see Lana Lang, who he still hasn't boned. Hmm. He tells her that he's Superman and Lana pretends to be surprised. <laughs> he apologises for his terrible behaviour earlier and tells her that it was because he had an evil ring on. <laughs> because this is a superhero movie, Lana believes and immediately forgives him. Yay. And we, we try not to think about what message this kind of movie bullshit communicates. <laughs> Clark Kent says, Will you... Fly with me. Mm. And the music lets us know that this is a romantic moment. <laughs> Lana nervously says yes, and Clark puts his arm gently around her waist. He lifts off into the air slowly, then flies her straight up to space so they can look down on the Earth together in a super cool romantic end scene. Mm. 
unfortunately, <laughs> Lana is human and so asphyxiate and dies almost immediately. <laughs> the end. Brilliant. <laughs> Is there a clip from Superman, probably Superman Full Stop, the other day? And um, that's when he's. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so that's my favourite one, Superman Full Stop. <laughs> well, I'm going to call it Superman 1 because it's not what it's called. So Superman Full Stop. Um, Superman the movie, isn't it? That's what yeah, it's Superman called. the movie. Uh, where he's yeah. where he's flying with Lois Lane and like and she can oh, fly, God, yeah. <laughs> yes she, she can. She, she can really fly. can. He's like he's just holding her hand and she's just flying next to him. And it's like how is know, this right? what's going on here? It's like it's like in the stupid sci-fi shows and movies like Doctor Who, where they're just like, well, the TARDIS has powers that kind of extend out from mm-hmm. it. It's like Superman has powers, and if you're standing close enough to him, you've got heat vision as well. <laughs> Yeah, right. That should happen. Which should, that would be interesting, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you could do so much with with like villains. Like, as long as you stay close to Superman, you can kind of kill him. Mm. <laughs> right? So you go and hug Superman and then start heat visioning him. <laughs> yeah. As long as he doesn't get like get you away, then you're all right. So if you're holding on to Superman, you can throw the S off your chest at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can kiss him and make him lose his memory. <laughs> yeah. So then he doesn't know he's Superman and you just glue yourself to him and then you're Superman. <laughs> and everyone's just confused why you've got someone glued to you all yeah. the time. You're like, I can't get rid of him because then I don't have powers anymore. What's right to been a long Superman 3 journey, but we have finally come to the end of it. Unfortunately, or there is have no we? More. Because strap <laughs> yourselves in for another 26 episodes as we go into the finer details of um, how to create kryptonite and um, how to control the weather with only a yo-yo and a drunk man. No, that is it. It's over. No oh. more talking about Superman 3 ever. I'm sure we won't be referencing it often mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week, I don't know what we're doing. Probably a nice little Howard Short or something like that, I expect. Boom. Ooh. All right, well, if you'd like more entertaining stuff by us, then check it out at patreon.com forward slash man by cow, where there's just endless audio <gasps> guff for you to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, just like this, sometimes better, sometimes the same. But never worse. No, no, never worse. This is the worst thing we do. This show yeah. is the worst thing we do. <laughs> Everything else is definitely better. Mm. And that's why you have to pay for it. Yeah. So, But you can get stuff for as little as $2 a month. Wow. And if you sign up now, you just immediately get access to a load and load of stuff. Yum. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye, milk. Bye-bye, milk. He's a stupid, suck-ass, rubbish writer.